It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Welcome, folks. We are back at a shared universe podcast studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. It is the show called American Loser. It's a show where every week me and my Delph of a dad cover the weirdest stories from American history. That being said, guys, we're trying to figure out who the biggest loser in American history is. We're always trying to figure it out, but loser has a wide spectrum of meanings for us. That could be just a guy who's a giant piece of shit. It could be a guy who's forgotten in the history books. Today's episode, definitely a guy who's forgotten in the history books and about as far from a piece of shit as I can ever think of in a human being. So where are we? Of course, we're the Shared Universe Podcast Studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. Mike and Ming taking great care of us. I'm back in Jersey, folks, all right? I tried going down to Florida for a little bit. Guess who's back? Guess who's back. <laughs> back, back again. again. <laughs> KP's back. Tell no friends. That's <laughs> Tell your Facebook friends. All right, spread the word about the show here, guys. Uh, you know that voice behind the ones and twos. Who else could it be? The big kahuna in the building. I'm not just big kahuna you speak of. I'm Sam from Saratoga Springs, actually. <laughs> it's so great to be here. You're your you're audio engineer. It's great to be here, man. Shut up, Sam. No, um, that's <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Anyway, no, Cahoons is taking care of us behind the ones and twos as always. I brought a guest in here because I got no Dilf this week, all right? My father, South Beach Larry, is hanging out down there. Him and my mom enjoying the condo down in Pompano Beach, Florida. They're doing their thing. Guys, they're also going to be sending out some of the stuff to the American Loser founding losers over on our Patreon, where for just $5 a month, the cost of one large iced cold brew over at Dunkin' Donuts. Five bucks, people. It's not that bad. It really is. And it's uh, and, and again, uh, there's some people who chose to donate more, which is very nice of you. Uh, if you got to scale that back, I totally understand. It's really shitty times here. And if you don't have the money, all I ask is you leave us a review over on iTunes or something like that. Help spread the word about the show. I want to keep this bad boy. I, every Tuesday, there's going to be a free episode here as long as I can possibly physically afford it. And because of the people over at the Founding Losers, they're going to guarantee that this runs for way, way longer than we ever thought we could. I didn't realize when I started this podcast that I was going to be writing fucking term papers every week for the next three years of my life, but here we are. So, <laughs> want to go ahead and introduce our guest this week, filling in for LP, one of my oldest friends on planet Earth, Christopher Leroy Demaritus III. That's actually your name? No. It's no. Not. <laughs> well, no. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Chris Demar- be here. Now, what do we know you as formally? Uh, well, you told my government name, but uh, <laughs> my friends call me Hobart. That's right. Uh, Hobart and I worked at uh, for many summers at the glorious uh, – uh, actually, we'll leave the camp name out because the ranger is a good friend of ours, and we want to leave out uh, – anytime we maybe tell a, a nefarious story about some of our uh, ridiculous um, – <laughs> uh, shenanigans. Not, 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 uh, not sanctioned and- – Antics. Yeah. We're clearly out of the statute of limitations, but we don't need to uh, potentially uh, get someone con- fired. Yeah, well, no one's going to get fired, but we don't want anybody concerned about the quality of the mm-hmm. staff at a certain camp here, okay? Because that is, to my experience, that's still the best job I ever had in my entire life. I spent uh, every summer there from, I think, eighth grade until uh, I even went back twice. That's how much I liked it after I was, uh, I think I worked till I was 19 uh, up there. So, and that's where we got to meet each other, buddy. And uh, you know, you know about my weird little obsession with history. Oh yeah, I got I got the same obsession. So uh, you know, I've been trying to come on the show for since it started, and uh, 
well, you needed to prove it to me. And what does he do? What does he do? Like all great guests, Hobie showed up with fucking notes. All right? Wow. How much research do you think you put in on this topic? We haven't said the topic yet, so don't give them um, away. Just on the computer, just going through web pages, probably about an hour, two hours, and then siphoning actually through it after printing it out and sitting there reading, highlighting, probably another two hours. So Jesus. So you wrote a fucking term paper. A couple pages, a couple <laughs> pages, you know. Now, here's the problem. This is a, a Don Bosco boy right here. Oh, Bergen Catholic. Bergen, Bergen Catholic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it was a prestigious school of which you were uh, considered one of the brilliant minds of. So Sure, sure. You can say that. <laughs> But one of my oldest friends, we're, you're very much overdue to be on the show here, so I'm happy that you're on. Um, I'm excited, too. You just became a dad not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's been a trippy one for me to process. Like, oh, shit, Hobart and Tristan are dads. <laughs> oh, for you to process. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not cleaning shit out of their little assholes yet, either, so it's... <laughs> Well, you haven't come to visit yet either, so. Well, I just got back in the state, buddy. I'm back in, Fl I was in Florida for the whole month of January. It was great. Uh, plus, it's not the most appealing time where it's like, hey, please come meet my newborn child uh, during this pandemic. Well, I'm, I'm also pretty sure, you know, Florida back to home, you passed my house somewhere on the way. No one you, passes you, you, Bayonne. Uh, <laughs> you go to Bayonne when you're getting out of the cruise. I, I thought port. I was enough of an excuse. <laughs> No, there's only there's a couple of reasons you go to Bayonne. One, if you want to hook up with a prom queen who's easy, which I did. Mm. Um, it was, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm a, a black mark on her otherwise spotless record. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, Bayonne's an important town to me. A lot of great friends over there. Uh, the potential for me to be living there exists within the next year. That's not firmly out of a. I mean, we know me. I'm going to wind up down here near the north end of the Jersey Shore. I, I told you, I, I got the ball rolling on that one already. Don't worry. <laughs> the sad part is I'm moving out already, so. Also true, but now Hobie's uh, the man. He is uh, my boy. Now, uh, what uh, what month are we in right now, Hobie? Uh, February. Last time I checked. Anything important about the month of February in terms of hmm. history? What happened? Oh, yes, it is Black History Month. Hell yeah, it is, dude. So now here's the problem. We've covered this before. So those who don't know, uh, the Coons would be what we would consider a person of color, right? I think mm -hmm. that's a, a fair identification, even though you're Irish too. Which yeah, means <laughs> I'm a mutt. I'm a mutt in the best term. Well, it's tough because my father's German-Irish. I'm adopted. I'm nothing but Irish, we found out. Actually, a little bit Greek in there, so I, that's my excuse to hook up with Greek chicks now because they're like, oh, I can't <laughs> date anyone who's not Greek. And I was like, well, how much percentage points do we need me to be Greek? <laughs> but uh, but I'm excited here, guys. We got uh, – uh, Hobie's having a nice Ross Brewing. Um, but it is uncomfortable for us sometimes to sit there and do a show called American Loser. And then it's uh, me and my father, my German-Irish father and my Irish ass – sitting there talking about uh, African-Americans during Black History Month and calling them losers. It's not a great look. All right? No. Unless you understand what we do on the show, which is why I've brought in some great guests in the past. Uh, uh, Ty Rainey, one of my, my great buddies in comedy, who's a hilarious comic. He came in for the Satchel Page episode that we did last year, which I loved. And then uh, Gordon Baker Bone, another great comic, a good guy all around. I haven't seen him in a minute, but uh, I'm sure I'll bump into him eventually down at Stress Factory or something. But uh, – He's a, another great comic, and they were both great guests on the show, and I think they walked out of here with an appreciation for what we're trying to do because the whole thing is this. Black history. Who, what are the big names that pop out at you, Hobart, when you hear black history? Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot. I mean, uh, you got Martin Luther King. You know, he's one of the biggest. Um, you got uh, Malcolm X. You know, like now, Again, these are more so contemporary people that are popping. Mm -hmm. Now, Cahoon's for you, is there any other names that pop out during Black History Month that you think about? Jackie if, Robinson. Jackie Robinson's a big one. Harriet Tubman's a big one, right? Satchel Page for me personally, because I, I just I love his story. Yeah. Um, I, I was blown away by that one. Um, and also a very cool thing is that uh, the uh, 
the aforementioned or, or uh, formerly known as Negro Leagues are now having their stats counted in Major League Baseball statistics. So that's pretty cool. That's a, a that's recent. That's that was very recent. I think I tagged you in that article. You did. You did. I was so happy. I was like, this is amazing. And then I hit up Ty, and he just ignored me. So I was like, whatever, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ty Rainey, great guy. Check him out, man. If you get a chance to check out his uh, stand-up, I think Ty's a Ty's a special talent, man. He really is. He's a uh, uh, I've watched that guy riff his way out of some crazy situations, but. Um, just like all great losers, though, um, this guy we're going to talk about today has a very confusing history. And what I want to do on this show, we don't want to teach you – we don't want to give you um, a topic that's been done to death. And we want to give you something that's lesser known. So you're going to come away with some education today. Now, uh, in a good way, we're going to – as my father would say, we're going to trick you into learning something. So, All right, Schoolhouse Rock, what you got? We covered a pretty cool guy here, man. I do feel like the Schoolhouse Rock thing applies today. Um, have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Prince Hall? Prince Hall. Prince Hall. No. Right? In African-American history. He's uh, pretty fascinating. Hobie, before you researched this guy, you'd never heard of him either, right? Um, it, It's actually weird. Um, One of the guys I work with um, be, was becoming a member of this organization. Ooh, all right. Good good teaser. And, and he, uh, you know, I, I, I had known about them, but I didn't really know what they did. And we had like a 20-minute conversation about him and, you know... Uh, I didn't put two and two together until I actually started doing the research. You know, it's kind of like one of those things, oh, all right, yeah, whatever. And they then are... I remember the names he was mentioning and everything, and then I was like, oh, okay. Because when you when you and I talked about it, I kind of remembered. I it was like, the name sounds familiar, but I can't remember why. And then, you know, this was a conversation I had three months ago, so I'm like, ah, and it clicked, you know. So I'm wondering, because I think Cahoons might know, there's a chance that you're going to know some of the stuff going on about this, because it becomes apparent, because the organization took on his name, mm -hmm. so to a degree. So it becomes this thing where, well, what is easy? Well, what's person, the zeitgeist? What's the time? Well, it's going to get even better, man. It's uh, So it, it kind of like, almost like a fight club thing. It's that, uh, who is Tyler Durden kind of a thing? <laughs> that is going to lead us to today's episode, who is Prince Hall? Okay. So... Prince Hall, just like all great losers, Prince Hall has a confusing story with some very murky details at time. I'm sure you had a hard time tracking down dates on some of his shit, uh, right? I was going to say that the dates were all over the place. And I, I mean, um, I, I I was literally highlighting articles and then I'd go back and double check dates on like three <laughs> different copies of things and be like, OK, well, this says this date, this says this date. Uh, all right, we're not gonna. We're, we're just gonna leave it with the year, and maybe the year was right in all three. <laughs> no, it's an accurate way of looking at it too, man. So now you did great research. So jump in and interrupt me, or, or let me know whenever you got something cool you want to say. But I do want to set up as uh, Kahuna said the zeitgeist. So this is what makes this loser so charming and interesting. Uh, on a list of African American firsts, this guy sticks out for two reasons. One being the seemingly benign accomplishment that uh, we're going to talk about here today, which actually is it, it seems lame on paper. But once you realize what he had to go up against and what that did for, you know, the, the black community in America, it's pretty goddamn remarkable. This guy, I'm going to say, is one of the first community organizers. Mm -hmm. So the community organizer can be anything from just a person who's um, uh, seeking social justice reforms, whatever you want to talk about modern day. Actually, Barack Obama, I believe, got his start in politics as a, um, a community organizer. So it that's a very widely applying term towards uh, a million different things here. But this guy definitely was a voice for black Americans. And again, we always – black history is often like anything else interesting in America, uh, underreported on. So many people hear black history and immediately jump to Martin Luther King, which I get. Some folks go back to Harriet Tubman. I mean how can you not be fascinated by a story about a renegade using something called the Underground Railroad to pull off escapes in constant danger? That has I mean, nothing to do with Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> if you had – 
literally, if you had John Carpenter direct a Harriet Tubman movie and it was Escape from Antebellum, all right, how great is that of an idea? See? Why? Why did you put that in the universe? I want that to exist. That's amazing. Well, oh, my God. One thing I've noticed, though, is that black history- He would do it. it he would. In he would art. do it. Put his own little score to it, though, unfortunately. Uh, what do you mean, unfortunately? <laughs> Take that back. Uh, well, you want some uh, you want some music that's going to fit um, the because black history is so and black culture is so entrenched in their their music. Okay, that's, like a that's huge part. fair. So I would say that you don't necessarily want John Carpenter playing his little keyboard or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I've noticed, and I think you guys will both agree with me too, black history goes hand in hand with American history, and most history fans already know. Um, this guy is considered to be uh, a, a, a guy we're going to cover here. Um, actually, I'll just ask you guys off the top of your heads. Uh, either one of you can answer. Who is considered, who is the first African-American to die for the uh, American cause, if you will? It's a tough one, man. A lot of people don't know this. Here's a little trivia for you. All right. He's should know this. <laughs> so first of all, he's the first uh, African-American to die for the American cause. He dies uh, in Boston, a little uh, incident known as the Boston Massacre. Okay. He's considered to be either the first person killed for the American cause in general, but he's definitely the first African-American to die. He gets shot at by British troops in a little thing called the Boston Massacre, and his name was Crispus Attux. Okay. Did we talk about him like very briefly in, he, in the past? He probably he, got he, covered. I think he came up, if not once before. Yeah, he's a, a fascinating guy because he was part Native American and part uh, African-American. And he was, I believe, a free man. And then what happened? Because Paul Revere actually did a uh, um, some work on this uh, for, I believe, an etching that they did. Mm-hmm. That um, certain version, it doesn't show up because of if you put it into like a, an iron mold or anything like that, or if you did it in copper, you can't really tell color when you're working with metals. But some of the other things uh, that you would notice that they're shading done, and they're clearly depicting Crispus Attux as being felled by a, a bullet fired by the British um, troops over here in massacre, uh, the Boston Massacre time frame. So that uh, once you've shed blood for the cause, man, I mean, that's it's game on, all right? But a guy who exists in the same time frame as Crispus Attux was this guy by the name of Prince Hall, and his name has a, a wide array of applications. He's definitely held in a revered status. Most people have no clue who the fuck this guy is. So ladies and gentlemen, enter American loser Prince Hall. So... Prince Hall, like many uh, Africans in America, has a debatable lineage, birthplace, and birth date. What were you saying, Hobie, when you were trying to figure out how old this guy is and where he's from? He's a mystery. He, he just kind of appears in history. Yeah, I mean... um it's a time traveler. <laughs> uh, everyone was pretty concrete on the year he was born. And, um, you know, that was, uh, that was about it. I couldn't really find the date. What date? What year did you have him born? Seventeen thirty-five. Yeah, because it, it scatters. Some people report him, and you're going to see too, because his own historians can't cover him right, because they'll be contradicting uh, tales here. Somewhere between seventeen thirty-five and seventeen thirty-eight. So keep and going, brother. I'm, I mean, even his death date, that they, they there's like a four-day, five-day length of time where he died this day, but it's because they buried him this day, and I'm like, I'm like, and you know, even even dates of stuff that he did. Um, the dates were all over the place. In regards to his birthday, though, like, is that maybe because maybe he himself did not know, or is it because because we're, we're very look, fair question? Like, look at the time. To- like, look at the times. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he was probably if if according to the era and who he was, was he like born into slavery? Like, and they just didn't tell him because that's not something those people would keep. 
you know, at the, yeah, at the time. It, it depends, too, because um, it, it gets to be such a weird thing. Like the fact that he so he says that he's from New England. Some people think he might have been born in England and then arrived here. Now, this is how crazy it goes. His birthday is typically celebrated. We're not saying this is when the birthday is, but celebrated on. Do you know which day, Hobie? No. September 14th. All right. Smack dab in between yours and my birthdays, mm-hmm. <laughs> which if we're still recognizing his birthday every September 14th, that should mean that this man from nowhere is going to leave a pretty good impact on American mm-hmm. culture. So now Prince always accounted himself as a free black or a free Negro, which opens up some weird wormholes. Could he have been, as Kahuna was uh, alluding to earlier, born free and then became enslaved? Was he sold into slavery? Was he born a slave and then was, you know... Well, uh, in my research, I found that at 17, um, he was taken from Barbados and brought to Boston. That's crazy. And actually, that's how he got the last name Hall, because the the man that, I guess, bought him or stole him from Barbados was William Hall. Yeah, and again, uh, as Hobart's proving, too, so this is crazy. So he takes on the last name of uh, the the person who technically buys him. Now, this is where it gets crazy. So some people say that that happened as early as age 11 for him, that he became enslaved, if you will. Now, when he winds up with, uh, you know, uh, William Hall, who Hall is, by the way, a Boston tanner and a pretty well-educated guy. For those who don't know and don't be ashamed, if you don't know what a tanner is, it's someone who uh, works in Bob Saget's full house. by the way, first side note, picture um, Full House, but if it took place in Boston instead of San Francisco. Ah, fuck off, Aunt Becky. <laughs> Anyhow, as I've said on the show multiple times here, if you can avoid owning people, that's typically a good thing. Yeah. Okay? I don't think that's true. Listen, I'm going to take a hard line in the sand here. All right, Kahuna? Okay. And I know you got differing opinions on this. I don't think slavery is good. <laughs> You're fucking dead. <laughs> I can't laugh at that. Fucking. <laughs> well, it's you probably. You don't say, man. You don't fucking say. <laughs> Sorry, Sunquist family. That needed to be said. No, we love those guys, man. It's uh, now there is an uncomfortable nature to the idea of the concept of a benevolent slave owner, right? Mm-hmm. So it's creepy. It is creepy because you're like, well, this institution is evil, but you're not. You're being one of the you, better you, people implementing the evil. It's like using you the own t- them, yeah. But you're just you're nice to them. Yeah, yeah, I own them, but I'm like great to them. It's fine. Imagine a Sith Lord who opens a children's hospital. That's kind of how I was trying to figure out how to portray it. That doesn't work. It's a uh, oh no, <laughs> that's worse than you think, right? It's, <laughs> <laughs> again, I'm not as well versed in Star Wars as I could be, but uh, anyway, it's, so it's a concept that gets a little bit difficult to try to ponder here, but. Oddly enough, yeah, well, there's certainly incredibly cruel ones, uh, and it's almost like uh, you would think the deeper south you went, the more cruel that um, that the slave owners would be, but apparently some of the most vicious ones were in South Carolina, that that was, uh, that was a brutal state in terms of slavery. That was uh, cutting people's feet off so they can't run away again, uh, brutal lashings, keeping them in chains 24-7. So there's that, and then there's the idea of, well, well like, listen, so, you know, I, I you have a guy like William uh, Tanner. Who, by the way, when you're up in Boston, Massachusetts in general, uh, I believe they still consider themselves bluest state in the union in terms of uh, espousing liberal ideas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they're very interesting here, especially around this time frame, because you have John Adams, who is completely against slavery. That was me. Um, that was a, a podcast reminder from a shared universe podcast studio that I had a show uh, coming up. So good. Thank <laughs> God I got reminded of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, you have John Adams, who uh, will defend the troops, the British troops during the Boston Massacre who fire the volley that kills a bunch of people, he defends them to show England that they're capable of self-governance, who's also adamantly against the concept of slavery. 
Now, the problem is then you bring in a guy like Thomas Jefferson later on who's kind of defending, uh, you know, well, it'll be at the Southern rights. It's our way of life. We shouldn't have a government that tramples on them. So that's where this whole crazy thing comes in here. So you may be asking yourself, though, um, William Hall, he seems like an art enough guy. Now, doing the, the tanning and the leather work here, what, how does he treat Prince, Hobie? Um, I really didn't find much on how uh... – how he treated him. I well, did, could he? What, did he teach him anything? Or I, I know that uh, Hall actually, um, he worked in. A, he had his own tannery at one point in life, and mm-hmm. I also found he. Uh, there was a bill actually during the Revolutionary War that he um, he did work for the Boston Regiment for uh, drumheads. He made leather drumheads yes. for the American Revolution. That's correct, dude. Mm-hmm. Now, an interesting thing, I'm not trying to say that William Hall was a swell guy because he still owned a slave, but here's the weird thing. Did he own him as a slave or was it an indentured servant? Because Prince is going to learn how to read and write. Prince also learns the tanning and leatherwork business from William, which sets him up for success here. So you might be asking yourself, how can a slave benefit from a trade later in life if they're just going to be a slave their whole life? Well, again, as with most things Prince Hall related, it's not perfectly clear the details. But he leaves the service of William Hall in 1770 under the auspices of manumission or uh, affranchisement, I believe it is, which is essentially a slave being given his freedom. Now, whichever term you choose to apply, it means you're no longer a slave beholden to your master. This term apparently goes way, 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 way back and is used as part of a system by the Romans, which would allow slaves to make a living that they could then purchase their freedom. So for whatever the case may be, William Hall uh, gives... Yeah, you know, they come to an agreement where Prince Hall is now going to be a free man. So that's pretty goddamn revolutionary in a, a time frame pre-revolution in America. So by all major accounts, though, as Hobie said, in 1770, Prince Hall is a young black man in America who can read and write and has a special set of skills in leatherwork. But uh, nonetheless, this guy is definitely at the upper echelon of recently freed black men in America. So now for his personal life, Hobart, you, how hard of a time did you have figuring? Because I'm going to tell all the rumors I've heard about his personal life. But what did you find first and foremost? Um, I found a little bit, a, a lot of it was, uh, you know, the, you know. Well, I'm talking it, about like marriage and you know, maybe kids or anything th- like were, that. There were just a couple lines about his, his life and most of it was, you know, his work. He's Captain Mystery, man. Yeah, I, I, I really couldn't find much, and that that was probably one of the biggest things I spent researching was his early life and his married life, and couldn't really find much. A couple lines, maybe a paragraph at most. And Kahuna said it earlier too. What about what's going on with record keeping at this time? So, so it's almost non-existent. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's existent, but it's the question is, well, what are you going to? Are we going to announce that? Because um, at the time of one of his marriages. He was still an enslaved person, and he married another enslaved woman. Well, you're going to have the ceremony, you're going to have, but are they going to make a big record of it? Is there going to be an article in the paper that says so and so slave married so and so slave? It's it's a weird time frame, so you don't know what the, you don't know what coverage they're getting. Mm-hmm. They're definitely Absolutely. not being, even though they're probably being treated as you know, uh, in, in, they're probably being treated as well as maybe livestock would be treated. I would say, where you're like, I'm not going to beat my horse because I want the horse to do some work for me. That that's really so. Even when we say benevolent slave owner, it's still not viewed as a. a there's far from equality. You know what I mean? So, anyway, uh, here's the weird thing: his love life gets a little bit murky. There's historians that argue. His own biographers argue over this, whether or not he was married one, two, three different times. His first wife was an enslaved woman, while Prince himself was still enslaved. Like I said. That first wife, Sarah, would sadly die um, the year before Prince becomes a, 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 a free man on, from Hall. Now, he'll marry again within a year because, I mean, you can't uh, 
It's not nowadays. He's not going to go on Tinder and you know throw out some pipe and see what happens. He's got to sit there. He's got to find somebody else new. You can't be a, a widower for too, too long. Otherwise, you start to think you're creepy. But uh, he would marry again within a year. Some historians say that there was another wife, but from back in 1756, named Delia. All right? Delia, or uh, uh, I mean, Deal Adele, Delia, however you want to say it. According to a PBS article about Prince Hall, this is my favorite part. I can't wait for this part. PBS article, they say that uh, Delia bore Prince a son named Primus. All right? He had a son named Primus, Primus Hall. Now, historian David Gray could find no record of this, and it kind of breaks my heart to know that the world was robbed of a chance for a woman named Delia, maybe Adele for short, married a guy named Prince, and gave birth to Primus. But that's just me, folks. I'm just a music fan. Okay, what do I know? (laughs) I also love that PBS apparently got it wrong here. And uh, by the way, it would be amazing if there was um, maybe a leather shop where it was a father-son team. So instead of Sanford and Son, you had Hall and Primus. Not Hall and Oates, (laughs) Hall and Primus. (laughs) You big dummy. (laughs) You're a landowner. (laughs) (laughs) She only come out at night. (laughs) Um, also, weird side note here, uh, before we enter the meat and potatoes of today's episode, uh, it's impossible to search Prince Hall on YouTube. Now, when you, did you search him on YouTube? Just see no, I did up? not. All right. So when you search him on YouTube, you search Prince Hall on YouTube. And of course, what's going to have to pop up? The incredible, and I do recommend everybody listens to this, absolutely incredible, Prince and Tom Petty uh, with, I believe, uh, Steve Winwood, And I think in the background is George Harrison's son. While my guitar gently weeps. Yes, sir. That's a great live performance. It is from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I forget what year. I want to say maybe '90s or 2000. But you freak like it is. You're on stage. You got Petty, who's a badass, one of the one of the great um, rock and roll dudes of all time. Winwood, who can jam with anybody. George Harrison's son, who looks just like George Harrison, really. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. And then Prince is. I swear to God, not only is he just thrashing and dancing. I, I mean, he is destroying that guitar. There's also a part where Prince just falls backwards. And you're like, how's he still standing? And then they cut the camera around when they, they shove him back up on stage. And you realize Prince actually takes a trust fall backwards with his guitar off the stage, gets held up by security, right? That's holding him up by the shoulders. They then shove him back up onto his feet. And he doesn't skip a fucking note, man. <laughs> Prince was legit. So. <laughs> but that was my oh, weird man. side note here. Now I would uh, argue that this dude is also the shit. Oh, dude, he is, uh, he's actually pretty great. And we haven't even covered what makes him really special now. So, Hobie, what's going on in the country around this time frame? Is there maybe perhaps some something brewing in the winds? Uh, yeah, you know, a um, l- little war maybe starting, you know, a little just uprising, a, you know. Just a tiny little, little um, thing. The ungrateful colonists again beginning to revolt. So, as you said earlier, Hobie, uh, Hall makes uh, leather for the colonists, uh, the colonial army, I should say. And since he was a free man and a voter and a taxpayer, he was very highly respected in the black community of Boston. So he encouraged black support of the American Revolution, believing that this will be the better path to securing a cause that he is passionate about, abolition. I got a a weird side – well, side note for just one second. Because if there's one thing that – there's a one fact from this show that I will always retain. Like I, I love this show genuinely, but there was one piece of information that I learned recently from you that about this time <laughs> that blew my mind. And it was the fact that a King or queen had never visited the United States up until this point. And I had mm-hmm. never fucking knew that because that blows my mind is how hard they fought for land that they hadn't even personally visited. Yeah. I can't even see it. You, like it's, 
Oh, it baffles me so much. It's like a, a bit of a pyramid scheme. You got, oh, it will tax the colonies. You know, wait, wait, what? So we just have money coming from a place we we assume exists? I mean, we, we have no proof. <laughs> but, oh, my God. Um, so, I'm sorry. I just wanted to bring that up. No, you're that, good. That it's part, nuts. That is still crazy to me. <laughs> oh, it's it's absolute insanity. Now, that's the other thing, too. So now the, the abolition issue is going to come in here where in the north – there is a more uh, abolitionist-friendly attitude. And then in the South, they're like, nah, this is the way we're making our you – know, again, it's the 1%, by the way. People always forget this. Uh, to own a slave, I believe one of my history professors at Brookdale broke it down for me that – and in his prime, male slave during the height of slavery uh, with prices adjusted for inflation would cost as much as a top-of-the-line Mercedes-Benz. So Hobart, you only have two top-of-the-line Mercedes-Benzes at your house. So that means you could only own two slaves back in the day, back in antebellum South. And but, for you to own a whole plantation, you are a rich motherfucker. Yeah, so it's it's literally the one percent that's uh you know because everybody else in the South, there's poor people you know uh, living in shacks and stuff like that, or hoping that maybe they get a chance to work the land someday. But that's trickle why down economics may not work, but trickle down anger certainly does. <laughs> well, that's why the, the whole confederacy uh, confederacy thing gets to be crazy. Where you're like, well, no, the reasons for the war were off, but the, you know, people got. There's a lot of bad info getting spread around back then, as there is still today. We can cover that later, though. Um, now, again, he petitions these black troops, Prince Hall, in order to get them to uh, – he wants them to fight in the revolution. So he actually compla- – uh, this is a pretty great thing. You want to talk about what a smart guy is. If there was a debate team back in the day, Prince Hall would be walking in there and doing mic drops all the time because he was just he, – he had he had infallible logic. So he compared um, the intolerable acts – uh, which was punishments that were handed down by the British crown after uh, a little infamous uh, – anything happened with a boat and maybe uh, some cargo that got thrown over uh, the side, Hobart? Oh, you're talking about the the Boston uh, monster. Oh, no, uh, T-Port. <laughs> T-Port. There we go. There we go. That's what the green monster, Fenway Park. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, he actually compares the intolerable acts uh, to slavery itself. And he goes, why Why should we be suffering this way? Like Kahuna just said too, This the kings never come over here. The queens – so why the hell are we listening to them? They're 3,000 miles away. What the fuck do they know? They got different weather. It's a different time zone. <laughs> but he actually tries to get uh, the uh, – he wants black troops to fight in the revolution – his request gets denied, um, but he still supports the revolution in other ways, one of them being like the drumheads that he was making from his tanning shop. So Hall is big on many things. He's got three big principles in his life. And I think we should – I think the three of us all have these same principles to a degree. The driving passions in his life are liberty, equality, and peace, right? And uh, I believe if you added pussy in there, Hobart would be on board. It's a, I want liberty, equality, peace, and pussy. <laughs> I don't know why I just made you super redneck. <laughs> well, it would turn out that there's a prominent group in the colonies and other parts of Europe that champion these same uh, three passions. Hobart, uh, you want to illuminate the listeners as to what maybe fraternal society of some sort could be espousing these beliefs? Uh, you may have heard of them before. Uh, the Freemasons? Yeah, the goddamn Freemasons. So uh, those who don't know. We have a fucking Freemason show coming in after this. Do you really? I'm not even kidding. Oh, that's oh, that's crazy. Yeah, a local one. <laughs> so well, dude, continue. If you sit in on them, then you tell them that you – are you going to be the engineer for them? I'm not sure to be honest with you. But, OK. And what do you want me to ask them? No, don't ask them. Just tell them that you know about Prince Hall. Tell them I know about Prince Hall. Yeah, just say that and just see what they say because, dude, he is – He's. this is pretty nuts. What he pulls – again, the accomplishment sounds very uh, minor on paper. That, that this what this guy's about to do. But when you realize what the the cultural relevance of this and the entire I mean the way that he used this organization to 
really start to, to put together the building blocks for everything that's going to come for black history. This guy is the, he, I, I'm going to say he is a, a bit of like the Genesis maybe, right? Okay. So he's pretty cool on this one, man. Um, he's big on those three big things. And it turns out this prominent group in the colonies called the Freemasons are also big on that. So Hall and 14 other freed blacks, uh, they attempt to join a lodge in Boston. And uh, although they were, they were not granted membership, right? So this is prior to the American Revolution though. So prior to the American Revolution, there's uh, uh, troops that are stationed, uh, British troops in the colonies here because things are getting a little dicey. Remember, it's about a good 10, 15 years before shots are fired in terms of the revolution. So uh, Hall and his, uh, his boys, these 14 guys who want to join the Freemasons, they get invited and initiated into the Freemasons in 1775 through, get this, you, you want to explain how that one happened? Did you read about that? Uh, I read about it a little bit. Hit me. But um, no, I, I have, it was just troops that were stationed in Boston. They finally let them in. What and... kind of troops? So it's British troops, mm-hmm. uh, or are they? Turns out they were Irish troops. Yes. Okay. Irish troops serving the British crown. Mm-hmm. Now, if who's going to understand the idea of being treated like a second-class citizen in your own country better than the Irish who are suffering under British rule? So it's, <laughs> there's definitely like, oh, we get what you're saying, man. Yeah, yeah, no, they're bullshit. We're going to, here's a way out of that. So the American or the colonists won't let you join a colonial lodge. So why don't, you're going to join our Irish lodge instead. And that's how we're going to get you guys into the Freemasons. So that is in 1775. Uh, the Irish Charter allows them to join, and uh, the Irish troops are stationed uh, with the British Army in America. Melting pot indeed, baby, all right? Sometimes that shit works. So from 1775 to 1784, though, while they were considered members of the Freemasons, Hall being amongst the first black Freemasons in history, not American history, history, history. <laughs> they were not given full rights and privileges of the Lodge. Uh, they were allowed to get buried with like Masonic rites and stuff. They could have their you know, meetings and everything here. Um but they actually – they were getting annoyed because they supported the American Revolution. They're active in everything that's going on here. Um, they're, they're espousing all the beliefs of the Freemasons. Why the hell are we not getting the same rights as the other charters? So, um, Hobie, uh, where is the Grand Lodge? Did you come across that in your research? Um, the Grand Lodge. The Grand Lodge. Back – maybe across the ocean, maybe in a, oh, a certain country. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was in England. Yeah. So they wind up petitioning to the Grand Old Lodge. Uh, because they want full rights as their own charter. As I mean, well, why the hell shouldn't they have them? To be honest, these again, these are freed blacks. These aren't like slaves trying to sit there and we're going to put together a thing. Or we're going to you know uh, pull a Nat Turner or anything like that. These are freed men who have rights protected under this new country that's being founded, and they're getting dicked around a little bit. So they appeal to the old country, and the Grand Old Lodge over in England decides to go ahead and issue them. Uh, they're they actually finally do get their charter. They petition the Grand Lodge of uh, England, and. Uh, Guess who they go ahead and pick as their leader? Do you know what a leader is called in um, the uh, the Freemason Lodge? Grand Poobah. Grand, very close. I, I believe a Grand – I think that's like a uh, – for the Elks or something. I think that's what they call them. <laughs> I well, didn't want to say Grand Wizard. And I was like, that's no, a whole cl- other different clan. Different, uh, <laughs> different sort of fraternal organization. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? Uh, Grand – Master. Grandmaster, correct. Are you fucking yeah, Nope, that's it, dude. Now, after petitioning the Grand Lodge of England, Hall started and becomes Grandmaster of the first black Freemason charter ever. Grandmaster Prince? Uh, essentially. Now, in custom with traditions of the Freemasons, though, Prince Hall would now have to be referred to as Grandmaster Flash. 
So that's 110% true. <laughs> I'm lying. I'm lying. He was Grandmaster Prince Hall. So. Oh, man. Now, through limited powers that he held at first and larger powers later as uh, the Grandmaster of what becomes African Lodge 459, mm -hmm. Prince Hall becomes an active voice for abolition in Boston. Hobie, hit me with anything we haven't covered. You got good notes over here. Uh, no, you, you're pretty much covering everything. Um, I know, but you're a guest, goddammit. Pull your weight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, you literally covered everything I have here. Um, well, he's a tough guy to research, man. Yes. But, I mean, so abolition's going on around this time frame here. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. There's, you're starting to see the first, uh, someone that, when you hear about the black struggle against the, the system or systemic mm -hmm. racism, we're starting to see some of that here. We're on paper. Like, oh, well, you know, I mean, we're working towards uh, abolition here and you're a freed man, so we can't. But like, oh, I mean, we're not going to um, – we're not looking to stir the pot too, too much. So maybe you guys just have your own lodge kind of a thing. So things are starting to get a little bit uh, interesting. And there's you're seeing more and more that the attitude of abolition in Boston is mm -hmm. becoming preeminent. So it's, it's standing out and it's becoming a faux pas, if you will, to own slaves. So uh, it's kind of an interesting thing here. So again, African Lodge 459. Uh, Hall's using this now as his – he's the Grand Master. Now, a key to this is that when you're a Grand Master of your own lodge, you can grant charters for other lodges. So let's say you're Prince Hall and you – hey, man, there's like – we got our guys here in Boston that are a member uh, of the Freemasons. So, hey, there's a group down in Philly that wants to get together here. Uh, so, OK, well, I'm going to go ahead. Now I can issue this charter. So now we can allow them to come on board, man. So – and Hall is about – you want to talk about a guy who walks the walk, man. He personally fights for reforms uh, to help and encourage black education. He's an active voice for abolition in Boston. He argued logically. I mean this is – if you want to talk about the founding fathers and uh, them using logic and uh, you know, the idea of them reading a lot of uh, Hobbes and Locke and whatnot, um, when this guy is using that same logic and you're still finding a way to say no to him, there's some hypocrisy involved, OK? Mm. He argued very logically. That slavery is akin to the very concept of taxation without representation. Where have you fuckers heard that before? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I get to work here and uh, and make you money and I have to you know, live underneath your rules, but I don't get a vote in the matter. I mean, I don't get this. I'm not treated as I an get equal. To say nothing. Yeah, I don't get education or nothing. I mean, it's, a, it's a, I think you guys are. Be, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. Let Let's fix this. You know, that's that's what Prince Hall is trying to say. Let's fix this. And he's getting a lot of people supporting him, and a lot of people are like, "Ooh, I don't, I don't know about this." <laughs> so, when at certain times Hall is unable to acquire funding for a proper school because he was petitioning the government, the local government, uh, to give him money for a school, and they tell him, "Well, there's no funds available right now," which very well could have been true. Hobie, what's the guy go ahead and do? He opens his own school right in his own house. Yep. So what? You come on by to Prince Hall's academy, all right? It's. <laughs> He's teaching people out of his own home. He's got other teachers working there. Uh, black kids are coming in and getting educated, man. This is so. If you want to compare okay. Boston at this time to say, like, in somewhere in, in some of the southern colonies where it was like, um, now there's that that there's a crazy weird thing where uh, so Confederate General Stonewall Jackson would teach his slaves to read and write because he but he only taught them via Sunday school. So every Sunday he would he would take them to – and that's how his slaves learned how to – so if that's how you're getting an education there. But what's fucking Prince Hall teaching up here? He's teaching logic. He's teaching liberal arts. He's having these kids read like the great works and stuff. I mean these kids are getting a totally different education. So a down south, yes, there is that. That's a true story. Stonewall, Stonewall Jackson was educating his slaves. Um, 
which again, they want to make him the big bad guy of uh, the South here. Um, but he had some benevolence to him, but he's only teaching you via Sunday school. Uh, imagine if you only went to Sunday school and you didn't learn anything to balance it out. So these kids are learning arithmetic. They're reading philosophy. This is a pretty god. It's almost like uh, Massachusetts has an affinity for education. Maybe there's a school up there called Harvard. I don't know. <laughs> The spirit of Massachusetts is the spirit of America. <laughs> Fucking love Duncan, kid. <laughs> but uh, anyway, like we said, he opens up the school out of his own home, just like Hobart said. And true to his abolitionist beliefs, in 1777, Hall petitions Massachusetts to abolish slavery. And as with all movements, government movements in America, and especially black movements in America, it takes some time, all right? Now, I'm going to say this one. Uh I don't really like the show Family Guy too much, but maybe you guys remember this one. It was one of the opening lines of one of the episodes, and I believe it was Lois and Peter and the other couples in the neighborhood were having everybody over, and they were doing game night. Okay? And I don't remember exactly what the thing was, but each couple got to pick whatever the game was. Now, it was, it was very funny. It was, it was like stupid, lowbrow laughs that I get annoyed by Family Guy with. But they had one of the most brilliant lines I've ever heard in my life, and it has stayed with me forever because I do believe this to be universally true. When it's Cleveland's uh, chance to pick a game, when they go over to his house, he picks. Uh, I believe it was. Um, uh, it was called Civil Rights. Was the name of the game. <laughs> and Peter goes, "Oh, cool! How does it work? How do you win?" And he goes, "Well, Peter, you never really win. You just do a little better each time around." <laughs> and I, I remember just oh sitting there being God. like, "Holy crap! That is accurate. That the patience, the patience." To sit there and be like, well, we got this going. All right, so now that leads us to the next. It is a nonstop movement. So oh. the perseverance alone is commendable. <laughs> but, and to hear that on Family Guy. Oh, yeah, of all places. Of all places. And, and to hear it from Cleveland. It Was Cleveland voiced by? Um, Cleveland was voiced by a white guy. Yeah, so uh, better cancel Cleveland. So. Well, they did. Now he's played by a black guy. Oh, uh, finally, right? <laughs> That's what Prince Hall wanted. He goes, God damn it. I want I want black cartoon characters voiced by <laughs> <laughs> but it does take some time. He makes this petition in 1777. Anybody want to guess? Take a gander. Maybe you wrote this down in your research. Maybe not. It's all good. Anybody want to guess when Massachusetts does abolish slavery? Nope. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. Dude, I did not know this. This is how ahead of the times Massachusetts was in a lot of regards, okay? Um, they abolished slavery in 1783. They do... We're talking like a hundred years before the fucking Emancipation Proclamation. A hundred years ahead of the time. All right? That's pretty cool. That's <laughs> now, one of uh, Hall's biggest accomplishments, like we said, with the Freemasons is that now he's able to organize other people. So now there's other Freemason groups popping up all over the place. I mean, that's, that's not too bad, man. Imagine if, uh, imagine if the, the infamous uh, Camp Lewis softball team – uh, all of a sudden had other uh, other softball teams popping up here. He's essentially Prince Hall's making Fight Club. He's doing Black Fight Club, right? Where there's other charter. Who is Prince Hall? We just don't talk about yeah. it. Who is Tyler Durden? But <laughs> but he's amazing, man. And uh, he's pulling this off. And through the organization, they're also showing people the same way that John Adams is trying to show the crown that uh, the people of the colonies are able to rule themselves. Prince Hall and his Freemasons are showing – Listen, we're all about these three uh, values that we've pledged our lives to. These are good people. These are family men here. All right. They're putting everything together. We, th There's no reason why we should be considered lesser than. Mm -hmm. None whatsoever. Right? I mean, you have anything else uh, on the, the whole Freemason expansion? Um, Nothing on the Freemason expansion, but I have a couple of uh, uh, another weird petition he put to the Senate. And then um, 
I have another. Uh, Which one did he put the Senate? I forget. Uh, this he, this one, guy was active. Th- this one was in 1773. He had. Uh, a back to Africa movement that he proposed to the Massachusetts. This one Senate. gets nuts. Yeah, I'm gonna get and, into that in a minute. Oh, okay. Got yeah. It. Well, what do you got for the other one? And the other one was uh, a revolt. Um, it was uh, Shays Rebellion. Yep. Yeah, that you have that one down. No, too? no, keep okay. going. Expand. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty much just uh, it was a rebellion over uh, the farmers' high taxes to the state, and um, Hall went to the governor, and he had a 700 man militia. <laughs> that he offered his their services to the state, and um, the governor pretty much uh, was told his services were not needed. Yeah, uh, thanks for trying to help us out. Really great of you, but get the fuck out of here. And like, you know, it's something like that just made me laugh. That like you know, I, that he, you know, those were probably all Freemasons. So he he was seven hundred strong. You know, he brought his project mayhem but, for some good. <laughs> what that was. You know, a couple of years in the making of his, uh, oh, yeah. you know. He's so. developed, a, it's a whole fraternal order here in the country, man. But it was, uh, it cannot be um, overstated enough that this guy is not getting the credit he deserves because he's he's really showcasing a lot of the, uh, uh, he's showcasing the best and the brightest of the black community, right? And uh, again, a lot of this, now this is the weirdest chapter of his whole life. So um, again, the Freemasons are going to stand for liberty, equality, and peace, and color should not have a thing to do with any of that, all right? Because if, if you live by those principles, I mean, who the hell's going to have a problem with you? You would think. So but here comes the weirdest chapter in Hall's life. He gets involved with, as Hobart said, the Back to Africa movement. So this idea goes back quite a ways with the black community in America. Nowadays, it's intended as an insult. I believe, uh, go back, I think that's that great Chappelle show sketch when it's Clayton Bigsby. He goes, go back to Africa. <laughs> but Nowadays, it's meant to be an insult, but during, um, prior to, during, and after the Civil War, black folks in America had to ask themselves, is it going to be easier to stay here and hope that uh, we can work towards equal rights in America, or is it going to be easier to go start a new life in another country, maybe perhaps go back to their their traditional homeland, right? Mm -hmm. It's an honest question. So Hobart, let's say you were in those shoes. What would you do? Would you think, let me stay here where things are not great? You know, but at least it's moving in a direction, maybe. Or do I get a clean start? Uh, I think I would go back home. Now, here's the weird part. We say home, but that's the problem with the slave trade. Mm-hmm. Africa's not a country. It's a continent, baby. No, it's, <laughs> exactly. So which part are you going to go back to? You're like, oh, I'm going to go back to the United States. I want to be returned to my ancestral home of New Jersey. And then they're like, all right, cool. We're starting a colony in Iowa. What? Mm-hmm. I didn't say, fuck, you know how cold it gets in Iowa? Plus, I was also I also read that there was uh, parties that if you even made it to open water, they would actually bring you back, mm-hmm. and you know be, you'd be punished for you know taking on I guess an escape if you want to call it that. Yeah, it would uh, definitely because a lot of slaves were attempting to make that movie. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the people that wind up going to becoming part of this Back to Africa movement, Prince Hall is one of the few intellectuals that's behind it. Okay, now he's only behind it for a little while because he starts to realize that maybe it's not as great of an idea as they thought it would be, but it sounds good on paper. The same way that the pilgrims came over here and the European settlers came over here to escape um, you know, mistreatment in the European countries, because remember, it was mostly religious groups that were coming over here. Uh, they're going to now go back to Africa and they're going to follow – the British trade ships have these routes over here and they mapped out a place uh, – uh, Liberia is where they're going to go. And they're going to start a whole new country and they get a chance to maybe – you know. now the craziest part is that there's also a place called Monrovia. Which get this? It was uh, it, former black slaves who went to uh, they, they established a place called Monrovia, named after James Monroe, who was the president who allowed them to go. 
And uh, this is years after um, Prince Hall. Um, so Monroe is going to go over there. He, uh, in, I'm sorry, in Monroe's uh, honor, they named the city of Monrovia after him. And the first thing that these black, uh, free black slaves go over there and do is implement slavery on the local blacks from Africa. So it, it is it is a divide by zero, what the fuck moment. It's very silly. Now, again, that's also this weird thing too where uh, the unrest that goes on in Africa and certain parts over there. Have you ever heard of the Tupac army? No. Okay, this is a weird side note that Andy Highroller told me about. But apparently what it was was that this one guy had an army in order to try to have a uniform. They had to find ways to get um, everyone to wear matching clothing. Mm. Over This is like in the 90s, I want to say. And they were all able to get a Tupac T-shirt. So it was an entire army of uh, uh, Africans with AK-47s uh, that all wore a Tupac T-shirt. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's it's an like imagine they all had a uh, uh, you're wearing a Brody secret stash one the Brody secret stash army. <laughs> but anyway, so that's the crazy thing here. What do you try to do? First of all, you're not going back to your actual homeland. You're going to this place Liberia and hoping that it's going to work out over there. Prince Hall thinks it's a good idea because he goes, oh well, we're we're uh, we're of African descent. We'll be able to handle the climate in Africa. It's not like you know uh, we shouldn't be dying of disease or anything like that. Unfortunately, he's wrong. So when people are going over there, this re-pilgriming, if you will, is going to take place. Um, the Africans who land there, the African-Americans, let's be specific about that. The African-Americans who land over there are able to gain uh, certain percent, like parcels of land by dealing with the local chieftains. So that's great, except the other chieftains in the area maybe didn't want these African-Americans here. Like, now, Patrice O'Neill, one of the greatest comics of all time, he has such a, a great bit on his HBO half-hour special where he just goes uh, – he goes, yeah uh, – Every day in America, uh, you know, in America, I'm black. Uh, everywhere else in the country, I'm just American. If that's how they look. So it's like, oh, these fucking Americans, man. Goddamn Americans over here with your bullshit. So that's how they're treating these African-Americans in Africa. It's like, oh, goddamn Americans. Can't stand them. So there's actually – so between dying of disease, just having difficulty you know, farming the land and stuff like that, there also turns into this thing where the local tribes that do not like them are attacking them on the regular – now imagine, imagine the Wild West, if you will, or imagine the early European settlements in America um, being attacked by the Native Americans. Imagine that, but now it's African American slaves who are fleeing mistreatment in America, coming here, starting their own colony, and then getting attacked by local uh, African tribes. So it's a cowboys and Indians thing, but it's it's technically, you know, uh, African Americans versus Africans. It's it's weird. Yeah. So, but it's not going great over there. It takes multiple generations of the people who even survived. I think it's like a 50% survival rate. Did you read anything about that? No, I did not. Oh, dude. it's Liberia was brutal. Absolutely brutal. But the thing was it attracted mostly working class slaves who weren't fully educated and stuff like that or who didn't have the opportunity to be educated because they said, well, let me just get over there and we can farm the land. I know how to do that. And so it's a lot of uh, uh, slaves from the south are going to try to make their way out there. And – Meanwhile, if you, were, you know, had a chance to go to some schooling or anything like that, maybe you were in the Freemasons, you sat there and you said, the fight for equality is progressing. It's going slowly, but it's progressing, so we're going to stay here in America. So Prince Hall is one of the few intellectuals who's like, well, maybe this back to Africa thing will work. And then after the terrible fucking results, I mean, it literally did take multiple generations before the African-Americans uh, in Africa were granted you know, even recognizable citizenship – um, in, in certain parts of Africa, there's still some issues with that over here to, to over there to this day, I should say. Um, but it, it turns into a, a whole crazy thing. But once Prince Hall realizes that, that experiments really not working the way it is, the best bet for African-American advancement is to stay in America. 
okay, African-American for a reason, right? You're here. You're part of this whole thing. You've, Prince Hall was, you know, on the side of the American Revolution as sh you know, before shots were really being fired. So he reverses his support on that upon realizing the difficulties of the realization of the idea, and he uh, continues his efforts towards equality for blacks in America. Now, hopefully, as most people in America know, the movement towards rights in America, it's going slow as hell. All right. It really is. It's still going on to this day, to be honest. But with early efforts by the black Freemasons for education, advocacy, community organizing and more, the fight towards equality is heavily influenced by the works of who other than Prince Hall, baby. So wow. You were waiting for me to say Teddy motherfucking Roosevelt. I, don't judge me. <laughs> He just um, kicks open the door of time. I got you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Hall, will, uh, what I have down here, what do you have for the year of his death, Hobart? you have anything? I have 1847. 47? Mm -hmm. Jesus, that makes him... 72. Holy hell, I have him dead at, uh, in 1807. I could be completely wrong, though. Oh, I'm sorry, 1807. Oof, uh, that's an extra 40 years, though, on, uh, man. <laughs> my apologies, my apologies. Now, again, Kahuna has been teasing the whole time this guy's a time traveler. I was like, is, is he? Did, <laughs> did I do my Because that's my thing. Uh, I'm not very smart, but I always think other people know more than I do. And that's why when they, when someone tells me something, I was like, oh, shit, they, they seem very confident in this, so they must know what they mean. And that's why I get fooled a lot when people are like either full of shit or something. Like, oh, this guy definitely under, oh, yeah, absolutely. No, this, this definitely, maybe I'm wrong because I have no confidence in myself in this. So I sat there for a minute and I was like, maybe he was a time traveler. Maybe, you know, this could be, is, is it, you know, is it a looper situation? Is he going back in time to try to kill his younger self? I don't know what the deal is, but... He uh, does die in 1807 and is buried at uh, Copps Hill Cemetery in Boston. Anything about Copps Hill Cemetery jump out at you? No. It is, uh, I believe it is um, the second oldest cemetery in all of Boston. So um, now I'm going to be wrapping up here in a minute or two. Did you have anything else that we haven't fully covered yet? Not, he, the guy's dead now. I've killed him in my story. So anything else that um, I didn't cover, I want you to you know, feel free to espouse on. The word. There's one thing I don't know if you picked up on it, but um, I, I found out he may have fought at Bunker Hill, but they couldn't pin it down because there were actually six, six different Prince Halls in the records. Very common name, really. Yeah. So there's yeah. a, it gets confused. That's why his his history okay. is so difficult to track down. So because there's so many other of the same name. Correct. Yeah, it's like so. I mean, for those who don't know, KP is a stage name. I mean, my, it was my nickname growing up too as a kid, but Kevin Patrick Burke. But just to be Kevin Burke. When I go to Gary's Wine and Liquors in Wayne, New Jersey, they say, do you have a name on an account? And I think I'm one of 18 Kevin Burks just at Gary's Wine and Liquors. And I always have to say, I'm the one from Wayne, not the one from California. And, <laughs> and it makes them laugh all the time. But there's a million Kevin Burks oh out there, man. Because so, Burke is like Smith in Ireland, apparently. So, really? Yeah. It's oh. Norman Irish. I think it's the most common uh, last name. But. We'll get into the weirder stuff about what my actual biological last name would have been, but I'll give you a hint. I am the Highlander. Um, oh. <laughs> but what else you got, Hobie? And um, I, I don't know if you had trouble finding this date. I actually, um, when the whole actually changed after his death to uh, actually Prince Hall, did you, uh, I, I, I found... That's a good point. We, just uh, to unpack that for the listeners before you, you say this one thing. So in honor of Prince Hall... All black Freemasons, African lodges, now become known as Prince Hall Lodges. So there's a weird story that my father was down in Virginia, and he saw the uh, the, the Scottish Rite or the Freemasons. He saw one of their um, their buildings, and uh, they, uh, a, a guy brought him into the museum to show him like some of the old artifacts and stuff. 
And so he's walking around, he's seeing like the whole history of the thing. And of course, they're going to try to get my dad to join because it's they're like, hey, you know, it's a, well, why don't you become a member kind of thing? He's like, oh, I'm from Jersey, man. He goes, we have chapters in Jersey. You know, <laughs> we got an answer for everything. And then right down the street is the uh, the black Freemasons. Literally, that's what it said on the building, he told me. And so it's the black Freemasons. And these are the Prince Hall Freemasons. And they are – they're not a separatist organization, but it's for people um, – a large part of it is to celebrate black culture and uh, a sense of uh, community within uh, you know, the African-American diaspora. Oh, you like that word? That's a good fucking word. <laughs> for those who don't know, diaspora just means when it's a, a common gene pool spread out over a large place. So – uh, the Armenians are the known more for their. You know. Exactly. <laughs> if I could get a rainbow sound, <laughs> but what'd you have, Hobie? I, I, now that I explained that, that all the lodges moving henceforth were known as Prince Hall uh, lodges. On the name change, I had some some websites said it was a year after his death, so that'd be 1808 or 1847. So I, I had two very – and I no one really had a concrete uh, answer for this. So I, I was wondering if you found anything in your research. No, I have it as um, – because what they did is that they did change the name. So it's all known as Prince Hall Lodge, which is mm-hmm. a huge honor. So if you ever meet an African-American Freemason, feel free uh, to tell them that you know, even though he wasn't covered in your history textbooks, that you know about Prince Hall. So if uh, Kahuna gets a chance to mention that later, that would be pretty amusing to me. <laughs> One thing I wanted to, to note here, so to be buried at Copps Hill Cemetery in Boston is a pretty high honor. And Prince Hall, of course, is buried with full Masonic rites. Um, a major honor for an African-American at that time is to be buried at, at Copps Hill Cemetery. Um, and he shares the graveyard, uh, if you will, with uh, several other notable Bostonians. And I'm going to set this up real quick. We have a loser reception. And I want to throw to uh, Hobie for any closing notes, and then I want to hear what you got for a casting couch on this one, Cahoons. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. So in this very same Copps Hill Cemetery are buried uh, uh, several other notable Bostonians, uh, three of them being Cotton, Samuel, and Increase Mather. If that sounds familiar, it's because Increase Mather was involved heavily with, lose reception, the Salem Witch Trials. <laughs> So one of the ministers Ooh. who was one of the leading uh, academics uh, of uh, Boston at the time uh, or Massachusetts at the time, he gets heavily involved with the Salem witch trials and keeping uh, you know notes and stuff like that and then making decisions about it. So that is uh, Increase Mather and uh, him and uh, his, uh, his kin, if you will, of uh, Cotton and Samuel, they share that same graveyard with uh, the illustrious Prince Hall. So uh, Hobart, any other notes you want to say on the way out, buddy? Uh, no, I think we covered everything I had. It's Again, he's not – uh, he's a very difficult guy to, to find true info on because uh, so much of him is uh, either embellished or underreported on. But I thought this guy deserves some credit, man, because he really started the structure for social organizing, which is what is still being used to this day to uh, attempt to make positive change uh, culturally and, and legally in America for black Americans. So now that being said, Kuna, you know what time it is. Oh, man. You know what time it is. We're going to throw you to it for a casting couch. And it's if the you, Smackdown! And if you say Chadwick Boseman, I'm going to hit you. No. All right? <laughs> Give me something I good. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with John David Washington Hang as on. our boy Prince Hall. I know him. Why do I know him? That is Denzel Washington's son. No shit. Who has started an acting career. His most recent role was in Christopher Nolan's Tenant. And oh, shit. I'm, that's actually I'm in my queue. I'm watching that probably later tonight. And he also played Ron Stallworth in Black Klansman. He was the lead character Damn. in that movie. Ah, okay. 
That's uh, see, I, I again, that's uh, <laughs> I have such a love hate relationship with Spike Lee, where it's like you enjoy. So does everyone else. Oh yeah, don't worry. Oh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> there's a great line. I forget what it was. Did my one of my favorite sketches ever on SNL, and it was so funny, and I couldn't, I didn't fully appreciate it as a kid until I was older. Was um, uh, when Chris Rock did the Ned X sketch. Uh, you remember when he played Ned X? Yeah. So it was like a Malcolm X type character, but he was doing a talk oh, show host thing. And they had a, yeah, they had a, um, the man camera or whatever, where it was the man <laughs> was coming to get him and it was zooming in. And he was like, he'd throw his coffee cup at him. But I think that was one of the sketches where one of the guests they had on was they were talking about, um, um, uh, it was like late night BET or something like that. And they said, yeah, this show got canceled. They tried to replace us with a Spike Lee movie marathon. And then they just saw how low ratings could go. <laughs> well, for every Spike Lee uh, masterpiece he puts out, he usually puts out two pieces of shit. So, <laughs> yeah. But I'm mostly annoyed by him because of uh, uh, the fact that he, he egged on Reggie Miller to then destroy uh, the New York Knicks. And I never, as a kid who walked around a Patrick Ewing jersey all the time, to, uh, the idea that that man does not have a ring still affects me personally. <laughs> but um, so that's awesome. I, I like that one. What's uh, you got anybody else you want? Any no any, other, uh, any like alternate options? Yeah, like let's say something. Chadwick Boseman. Nah, <laughs> um, nah, man. I mean, from the way you were describing it, I didn't want to like just pick a pick a name and draw from it i was like okay i want like there's a little bit of gravitas to, towards a role like that that i would like oh, to yeah, see definitely. like so, so originally i was going to pick denzel but then i was like well it can't really work now as as per se also denzel's already in possibly the best african-american historical movie ever yeah so give his kid a chance glory <laughs> <laughs> no glory's all time i can't watch glory and not cry it's glory braveheart and um there's a couple others that I, I'll still get misty-eyed at, but um, no, that's awesome, dude. I dig that. I'd probably, I would watch that movie. And again, uh, this is just a guy. The reason we covered I would him, not do it though. I would not direct this movie. No, it's it's a tough I, story. You need you need someone. You need someone who isn't on a podcast called American Loser to help <laughs> to helm that movie. <laughs> no, well said on that one, man. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, I want to say thank you so much, Hobie. Uh, great guest, buddy. You're going to come back, and you know that. All right. Well, Nick, we'll plan this. Forward to it. We'll plan this around when I. All right. For those who don't know, I'm cutting my weight again. All right, because I got a, a, a terrible wedding I have to go to at the end of the month, um, or the start of next month. My sister's getting married for. It's the, it's the same wedding. All right, but it's the larger, more formal celebration. So I have to be in shape for that. One. So I'm cutting weight like crazy. It's so everyone can get COVID. Exactly. <laughs> Super spreader. Um, no, we're going to be safe about it, and uh, we'll have a good time on that one. It's, it's a huge honor to be my sister's best man. It really is. Um, but I do want to look good. Um, I want to make sure that at that wedding I, I look good so I can impress all the married women and lesbians that are going to be there. For sure. So. <laughs> but, uh, Hobie, you will be back hopefully on a, an episode. Maybe I, we can crack a couple beers together, buddy. Treat this like uh, a night up at uh, the aforementioned camp we can't say. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I love you, camp buddy. Thank no you for name. coming in, man. And uh Thank you to the Kahuna buddy behind the ones and twos staying great care of us. Mike and Ming, as always. And again, guys, five bucks a month. You can join the Patreon. We're going to do something special for you. We five dollars. Yeah, that's really it. It's five bucks. Um, it helps me keep the show going. And if you can't do that, do me a favor. Just get, put us a blast on social media. Maybe leave us a review or something like that. Tell a friend about it. Um, we also got more merch coming your way. So the founding losers do get taken care of. That being said, guys, my name was KP Burke, and that was Prince Hall, American Loser. American loser the day I was born An American loser the day I was born
can't lose her the day I was born. <laughs>